Welcome, Bird Gang. All I know is the Cardinals are 2-0. On today's show, no, it wasn't pretty, and maybe they had no business winning that game on Sunday, but they did. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. The offense for the second straight week reached the 400-yard, 30-point mark. Defensively, it was a tale of two halves. We'll get into it all. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 469, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. We'll just gloss over the news that the starting quarterback and my co-host have not seen any of the Star Wars movies, although MJ, the head coach, quote, heartbroken to hear that Kyler Murray has not seen any of the Star Wars movies. So we're going to lump you two together and get you in a room and just hit play in one movie after another. Yeah, I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people have watched Star Wars over the years. What did Kingsbury said when he was between the 7 and 11, he went to be... Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. I just want to make sure I got that right. Yeah, don't I've say heard, the wrong. Don't I, say the wrong one. I know, I know. <laughs> but Kyler Murray, um, and you basically said I think he knows, but maybe he just doesn't want to admit it. Okay, the 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 baby Yoda. By the way, this has taken on a life of its own, and you can thank Chandler Jones for this. And earlier on Monday, Chandler said this is going to stick. That's his goal. That this he wants this nickname to stick, but. You're going to score a touchdown after a 12-yard run. You're going to go in the back of the end zone and get into a pose and say, yeah, I don't know what I was doing there. I Look, Kyler Murray is spectacular as a football player, but I don't think he was completely being honest. I don't think he wants to give Chandler Jones the satisfaction that this might be something that develops into something that's just not one week. It might be the rest of the season that something pops up every now and then. Well, I mean, it's it, it, you know when it's coming from Chandler Jones, it, and it just shows you how much these guys like each other and they can kid around with each other. But it's not like this came up in week sixteen, and you know, obviously the focus would be trying to get into the playoffs, and etc. But. Um, if Chandler Jones is going to be active on social media, I don't know how he's going to escape this. I don't think he's going to ever tell him, hey, don't call me that anymore. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. But, yeah, no, it's it's all in good jest. And I guess when you're winning, you know, you can have fun. Yes. And- even when you win ugly. And I don't even know if winning on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, or excuse me, the Minnesota Vikings 34-33 was winning ugly. That was just being lucky if you will. And as we said on Cardinal Talk, and you hear it all the time from players, you never apologize for winning. And what I liked post-game was, whether it was Kingsbury or Jordan Hicks, Max Williams, guys that have been in this game, and for Hicks and Williams, guys that have been in the National Football League for a long, long time. Yes, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and sometimes, as Hicks said, you skate by. And at the end of the season, it doesn't matter how you got there. Did you have enough wins during the regular season to get to the postseason? And right now, with the way the rest of the NFC West is going, you need to keep pace. You need to win these out-of-conference games or out-of-division games. And the Cardinals have done that, beating Tennessee and now Minnesota. Yeah, I've always said, you know, um, 
the end of the year, they don't ask you how you win. They just ask you how many wins you have. And that's how you, you know, if you're a 10, 11, 12 win team, you're likely going to be in the postseason. So, but there, there should be a, some concern just how the defense came out after what they did in week one. We knew that they were a desperate team. Um, again, they didn't really, uh, they didn't look really good in the preseason. And again, you could make the case for a lot of different teams that don't really show anything and focus on it. And then they lose in overtime, which they were in position possibly to make a field goal if Cook doesn't fumble. And then they come in here yesterday and they're desperate. And I, and I was wrong. They actually play the Seahawks this week and then the Browns. So Minnesota will host the Seahawks and then they'll play the Browns. So, I mean, on paper, difficult matchups again. So they were hoping to come out here and steal a win. They were desperate. So, But I – you know, I didn't think their offensive line was going to be able to hold the uh, the Cardinals players. That, that that first half, they were getting gashed. I mean, and and Kirk Cousins, we knew that he can throw the ball. He's probably just like Ryan Tannehill, very underrated. And you know, we'll get into the first half versus the second half because obviously they made some adjustments, and that's not a surprise. That we, it reminds me of when Todd Bowles was here. He was only for a year, but watching him from afar – the adjustments, and I, I got to assume you you try to make adjustments on the sidelines, but when you go in the locker room, you get everyone together and get everyone on the same page. And clearly, they were a different team, but I, I was just shocked how they could not get to the quarterback. What happened on Sunday at State Farm Stadium, the home opener? And by the way, props to the Bird Gang for showing up and cheering very loudly, especially late in that contest. But those first two quarters, the back and forth scoring, that's what I expected week one against the Tennessee Titans two high-powered offenses, and then you're just looking to get a stop or at least one more stop than your opponent. But I think you're going to see more of these type games, which you saw on Sunday, in which two teams score 25-plus, 30-plus points, and you just hope that you're on that team that has the one additional play, the one extra stop, the one extra turnover or takeaway, and then it allows you an extra possession to go down and score either a field goal or a touchdown. So, yes, as maybe from the outsider's perspective, that first quarter was a lot of fun to watch because it's back and forth. But from a Cardinals standpoint, considering what we saw the week prior as far as how the Cardinals defensively shut down Dalvin Cook or excuse me shut down Derrick Henry could they do it again to Dalvin Cook obviously they didn't in those first two quarters but I don't think that's a concern to an extent that after two games yes the run defense can't get gashed as far as the number of 10 plus runs but if you look big picture over two games Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook had zero rushing touchdowns in two games against the Arizona Cardinals and I don't know if that's going to happen with any other team this season. Well, when it comes to the opponents, they're averaging 5.4 yards per carry. And obviously it tilts a scale based on what happened on Sunday. Now, when I, the way I look at this is is the fact that, you know, when they when there was uh, – you and I have been talking about this, so let's get to it, and then we can break the game down. All right, okay, so – the number of breaks, if you will, that the Cardinals had in order to get the win, walk out of State Farm Stadium with the W, because sometimes things just need to go your way. You need a, the football gods. You need a little extra help. Because, Craig, we've been on the, that other end of the, of the stick there. It, it's happened multiple times, including last year against Detroit, missed field goal. You know, Then all of a sudden there was carryover to the Carolina game. But just quickly here, the way the game started, 11-yard run, touchdown. 
I was like, whoa, and wide open. Now, our good friend Quentin uh, Harris gave, he gave us a little uh, rundown what happened there where based on the wide receiver's route, Murphy has to peel off and get out there. Obviously, he was late, so that's going to happen. But And then you're thinking the Cardinals are getting the ball in the second half. They defer, and all of a sudden the second play goes for a pick six. It's just like, man, okay. Then they gathered up. So I do think that they caught some breaks. And, again, it, a lot of times it's it really the other team gets the breaks, but I thought the football gods were – and I, okay, let's go through it. So the Max Williams catch. The ball's deflected and he catches it. Yes, the 34-yard completion that Kingsbury said kind of really turned the tide offensively, kind of gave them that little bit of a spark in the second quarter. And on that drive, the Cardinals were able to score the Kyler Murray 12-yard run touchdown to make it 20-14. to So that's you're talking about that was the fourth possession, fourth offensive possession. So a slow start offensively before the ball, as Max Williams described postgame, just kind of floated in his area, and it wound up in his hands. And what's the odds of that happening? Exactly. Okay. So, again, caught a break. It usually happens to the other team. Um, okay, the Rondell Moore by the goal line. Let's, And I'm glad they reviewed it um, because the DB obviously had one foot in and one foot out. But what happens if that ball goes in the end zone? Now we're talking about a touchback. So the worst case scenario is the Cardinals get the ball back and then they had a holding penalty, so they move back. They're not on the one-yard line. But I'm just saying hypothetically, and I don't like to deal with speculation, but what if that would have went in the end zone? Touchback, right? Correct, and then you lose the football. It's either you could have the turnover or you lost the football going out of the end zone, and the Cardinals, fortunately, that instead of having to put the defense back on the field, the offense stayed on the field, and yeah, they got pushed back because of the A.J. Green holding call, but that was just a weird play because from our vantage point in the press box, that's the that's the complete opposite side of the stadium as far as that corner of yes. the end zone. And the way everyone reacted, we're saying touchdown, and all of a sudden the officials huddle up because maybe maybe Moore didn't cross the goal line. Maybe Correct. he stepped out of bounds. And all of a sudden it's like the ball was fumbled, recovered by the defense. It's like, what a fumble? What fumble? And it took several replays, and you're like, wow, that ball did get knocked out. But it was caught by a defender who only had one foot inbound. You need two and thus the review and the Cardinals fortunate, once again, catching a break, that they got that ball back. All right. We know Delvin Cook had his way, and they were gashing the defense in the first half. But uh, there was a play in the second half where he tripped. And I don't know if he would have ran off to the races, but there would have been a huge gain there. So, I mean, maybe it was a turf gods, right? Yeah, or and he had been hit. He had been out of that game he, he, two times earlier as well. It looks like he had some issue with his foot yeah just coming in and out and but again because he played so well they wanted to get him out there so that was more of the, the turf gods okay and then you had the miss extra point and again this is all this is on the vikings but i'm saying a mixed extra point and then a 37 yard field goal to win the game that got pushed to the right that got pushed to the right and then rondell moore Good thing this game was at home. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we were talking about that <laughs> on Cardinal Talk. That just the, you know, the, the just was so it, it was like slow on the pushing the clock to stop, or you know, these are NFL officials, so right. it's not any home cooking, um, but it is kind of something that has popped up, you know, 
in years past. But the presence of mind of Rondell Moore, because I watched that play a couple of different times earlier today, and he caught that ball with six seconds left on the clock. and Tried to get some more yards. Made two defenders miss. And in the back of my head, it's like, get out of bounds. Get out of bounds. You've got time to get one more play before you get Matt Prater on the field. And zigzagging up the left sideline, and Rondell Moore said he looked at the scoreboard, saw the clock, and he went out of bounds at two. And just as he went out of bounds, it went from two seconds to one second. So you had a full one second left on the clock. And that set up probably the defining moment of the game because it decided the outcome as far as winning by one you get that three points for Matt Prater kicking a 62 yard field goal so Rondell Moore and it's one of those plays that as a rookie like wow heads up but if he doesn't get out of bounds and the clock expires and you're like you know that's a rookie mistake you know you gotta get out of bounds so that would have been the first thing we all said well it's a rookie he'll learn now so we're looking at it was first and 10 from the 34 Passed to Rondell Moore for four yards. On the play, Breland was injured, so they stopped the clock. Cardinals, though, starting that drive, had two timeouts, so they, they, they were okay. They were okay. And then 10 seconds was on the clock, and that's when he threw um, uh, 18 yards, and he gets out with one second, and then Matt Prater comes out and kicks a 62-yard field goal. It's just these little things. And, again, we've been on the other side. So, I, I mean, just following the team, you know, so I always say, listen, um, they had every opportunity to win that game, Minnesota, and they failed. And, and the Cardinals took advantage of it just based on, you know, some of these things in the game. But, um, but I, like I said, I, I'm just glad that they played much better in the second half because we would have had a different conversation if they could not stop Cousins or Delvin Cook. It's amazing based off that football traveling outside the upright as opposed to inside the upright, what the narrative would have been here on this Monday. It's a victory Monday. If it's the complete opposite, then all of a sudden we're talking about not being able to get a first down or several first downs on that final offensive series. Kyler running out of bounds, stopping the clock, getting sacked, and just the disaster that that possession was. Yes, that's still something we'll discuss, and as Kingsbury noted, quote, it's much easier to coach after a win than a loss, end quote. No one is saying that this team is perfect and doesn't have flaws or holes, specifically what happened and what didn't happen on Sunday. But to your point, the little things, and that's what Kyler Murray discussed in the offseason, doing the little things right and sometimes just having little things go your way. And the Cardinals on Sunday had that happen, but make no mistake about it, Bergang. It's not like, all right, two and zero, let's move on to the next. They are moving on to the next, but there is a ton that needs to be corrected before next week. Well, if they lose that game, all of a sudden, well, the defense—they, you know, Vance Joseph had four or five months to plan for, and now you can't plan for four or five months when you're going week to week. Now, trust me, they—they they look at every single team uh, when the schedule comes out, but then. Normally, when you get to the first month of the season, you look at their last four games and you know who they've added in the offseason. How different is the offense? But if they would have lost that game, we were going to go. Where did the defense go? I mean, they held Chandler Jones in check until the, in the second half. I mean, like I said, I was just I, w- I was surprised about how they were able to move the football up and down the field. I mean, Kirk Cousins. I mean, he had what he, he had 150 yards. 
Um, at halftime. At halftime and three touchdowns. And as a as an offense, they had 142 yards rushing, 7.9. So about 202 yards um, at halftime and three touchdowns. And that, that concerned me, though. And I'm thinking, all right, Cardinals are getting the ball in the second half. Second play, pick six. It's about as worse as you could play as a defense in those first two quarters. Yet you look at the scoreboard and the Cardinals went to the locker room with a one-point lead. 24-23 and that I'm sure makes it a little bit easier but from a defensive coaching staff standpoint what happened in those first two quarters considering the week prior you shut down the Titans offensively and here come the Vikings and they can do whatever they wanted and that is something that took the Cardinals a little bit more time to adjust because if you look at the second half Kirk Cousins 9 of 17 94 yards Dalvin Cook Nine carries, 35 yards. I mean, offensively, the Vikings did zero. Besides the pick six, they only, now they could have had six, but they only had three points in the second half from their offense. Correct. Their defense got to score. And I think there's validation how good this defense line could be based on Derrick Henry going up to Seattle, desperate team. I mean, again, they can win nine or ten games. He had 160 yards and three touchdowns. So, obviously, that that was their focus, to get him going. Julio had over 100 yards. So, I, I do want to give the Cardinals defense because it was validation. But this is a long season. It, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And the way that, that they won yesterday, I'm not concerned going to Jacksonville or you're going to say, well, they're 0-2, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. They may not have the same talent. I think they got enough veterans guys in there to say, let's let's get back to the basics here. Let's go back. I don't. I mean, if they score thirty or forty points, the main thing is get the win. I don't think they're going to overlook the, the Jaguars just because they they have to clean a lot of things up. And they admitted that last week after the the great victory on the road to start the season, they felt like they left some more plays and points on the board. So it, it's never going to be perfect, but I do want to give them validation what they did. It was just surprising how they got gash in the run game. Well, you look at what we discussed last week and where we were most happy about, and that was the line of scrimmage, the offensive line and the defensive line. And then you look at what happened on Sunday against the Vikings. There was very little penetration by the defensive line, that front seven. Dalvin Cook was able to do what he wanted. He had huge holes and then was able to zigzag and make cutbacks and then find some opening room to get those 10-plus carries. And in the offensive line, Kyler Murray, he was sacked three times and hit an additional three times, but he was under a lot of pressure, did a lot with his scrambling ability, but I'd like to see that offensive line shore up a little bit more, and we'll wait to see as far as the injury situation because right tackle Kelvin Beecham was not available the second half. It was Justin Murray there at right tackle because Beecham still dealing with those rib injuries that he first sustained against the Titans in week one. And according to Kingsbury, Beecham listed day-to-day, and it just might be a pain tolerance. But that is something that is going to be a point of emphasis this week because Daniil Hunter, as good as he is, and he has now four sacks in two games, three against the Cardinals, He had a lot of pushback. He had a lot of those offensive linemen, Josh Jones in the interior, working on the heels and finding his way into the backfield way too much for my liking. He had three sacks, three tackle for losses, and three quarterbacks hit. That's that's pretty impressive. But again, it's one guy. You know, we know that the you know Kendricks is a guy that's going to get a ton of tackles. I think he had eleven tackles. He had fifteen the week before. 
The one thing I, I do like, though, is after two games, they've ran the ball 54 times, averaging 4-4 a carry, two rushing touchdowns from Kyler, and passing, they've passed the ball 50 times for 689 yards, 13-8 per catch, and they have seven touchdowns. So, again, it's never going to be 50-50, but that's pretty close to balance. And, again, the first game, they were able to run the football in the fourth quarter. Here they kind of had to throw it a little bit more because they couldn't run it. Or, or, you just had to keep pace. You had to keep pace, right. Good way of putting it. So there is some balance in this offense where you would think air raid 70-30, and people don't realize when he was at Texas Tech, they averaged 140 yards a game on the ground. But everyone just looks at his losing record, and et cetera. But I do like the balance on offense. Just And, again, it's small sample. We'll wait to you know, we get to after the first four games. Usually you break it down in 25%. But this year, you know, 17 games, 18-week schedule. Cardinals covered two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As we discuss, a victory Monday for the second straight week. That's right, the Cardinals are 2-0 and for the second straight season. We kind of touched on what this team needs to work on and what they need to correct, and I think a lot of it starts at the line of scrimmage. But let's flip it because the narrative obviously is it's a win. Let's celebrate what the Cardinals did well, and specifically on that offensive side of the ball, and a highlight to Matt Prater as well. But three offensive game balls handed out by head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Kyler Murray, Rondell Moore, and Max Williams. Matt Prater got the fourth. But let's start with the quarterback. If you have a quarterback, you've got a chance, and Kyler Murray continues to make make the unbelievable seem routine. His scrambling ability, and it's what they work on during the week in practice. That second phase of a play, according to Kingsbury, and it's difficult to defend because it's hard enough to defend, especially in the secondary, for two, three, four seconds. But all of a sudden, you've got a mobile quarterback going backwards, side to side, starting forward, and then backing up again. And all of a sudden, you're adding three, four, five seconds, and I don't care how good of a corner you are, it doesn't matter you're going to get lost in the shuffle, and Cardinal receivers were able to find themselves open a number of times. But what Kyler Murray is doing as a quarterback, MJ, looking to throw first, using his legs to buy extra time, running when necessary, and trying to catch a defense off guard. But the throws that he is making, and I keep bringing it up, but as a right-handed thrower, you're moving to your left and you're not stopping to reset your feet. You're still throwing on the run. That is difficult to do. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, all very good. Kyler Murray is up there with them, if not on the same level. And it is, one, fun to watch, fun to see the reaction on social media. And I think at this point, MJ, we just need to expect it. It has become the norm with him and this offense, even though – there are very few in the National Football League that can make the same kind of play as a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, the guys you mentioned, I mean, I think he's in the same category. Obviously, he hasn't been in the league as long as uh, Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson, but I think he's one of the most dynamic uh, quarterbacks in football right now. It kind of reminds me of Mike Vick, and then when he's in the open field, he reminds me of Devin Hester. He really does. I mean, he's just he can stop on a dime, change direction. He had five carries for 31 yards, 6.2. His long was 12. He had a rushing touchdown as a team. They rushed the ball 21 times for 103 yards, 4.9. But he did his, – his completion percentage was great. 
29 of 36, 400 yards. As you mentioned, he was sacked three times, three touchdowns, two interceptions, but his quarterback rating was 117.6. You would think with those two interceptions, that number would be a lot lower. He has gotten better as a thrower as far as the accuracy is, and that's deep balls, that's the shorter passes, and especially over the middle as well with Max Williams, which I want to get into in a moment. But Kyler Murray continues to rewrite record books, not just Cardinal record books, but NFL record books. He is the first player in NFL history with at least three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in each of the first two games of a season. He has nine total touchdowns, seven passing, two rushing. Tom Brady also with nine total touchdowns, all passing. Kyler Murray, in just 34 career games, has become the number one Cardinals quarterback in franchise history when it comes to having a passing and rushing touchdown. 12 career games. Jim Hart had 11. He needed 199 games over 18 seasons to accomplish that mark. Plus, Kyler Murray is the franchise leader among quarterbacks when it comes to rushing touchdowns. So it's, again, this is year three. This is what we anticipated, the step forward as a quarterback, but still not losing what has made him so special, and that is his ability to make something out of nothing because of his ability with his legs. Yeah, and another thing, Yards after catch. And it's not just, I mean, I guess it gets fluctuated the numbers because of, of Rondell Moore, his yards after catch, and, and also when you look at his all-purpose yards from kick returner, punt returner. But, I mean, Rondell Moore, I mean, I, I you know, I've been asking around, like, Larry in his heyday would make those kind of catches, but he didn't have that kind of speed. Anquan Bolden didn't have that speed. This guy, I, I, I just – it's crazy that not crazy i guess it's you know i think because he was injured and he played you know the 2018 season where he put up big numbers you know maybe some teams thought you know what is can he survive a 17 game schedule in the nfl well i mean he takes care of his body looks like um that's just part of what he had to go through but maybe teams said oh we'll put a second round grade on him but it's amazing that you know at the end of the year and I know Kingsbury was asked about Rookie of the Year, and it's just way too early. But the fact is that he'll be in the conversation based on his all-purpose yards. And if he gets in the end zone a few times, I just think, man, you start looking at the Kyler Murray pick, Buda Baker, Rondell Moore, hopefully Marco Wilson. I mean, this is this is the core moving forward for the Arizona Cardinals. You've got something here as far as in what you can build and move forward. And Rondell Moore leads the team with 182 receiving yards. And those receiving yards through two games is second most in franchise history behind what Anquan Bolden did back in 2003. And then you you remember that wide receiver class, and if you want to throw in Kyle Pitts as well, even though he's listed as a tight end. But when, you, when we talked about the wide receivers and we knew the Cardinals, they were looking for a wide receiver. They, they needed someone else to complement DeAndre Hopkins, even after acquiring A.J. Green. It was something that they wanted to address. Well, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. Those were the three, and then there was supposedly a big drop-off. Who was going to be that fourth wide receiver? And right now, Rondell Moore is ahead of that entire list by a lot. Jamar Chase has 155 receiving yards. Jalen Waddell, 109. Kyle Pitts, 104. And Devontae Smith, 87. 
So Rondell Moore has certainly shown why the Cardinals invested a day two pick in him. And if it weren't for the injuries he suffered in college, maybe he would have been and probably should have been a day one selection. Yeah, and you can make the case that like he's our DK Metcalf in this draft. I mean, second round pick, right? Yes. Um, the the wide receiver from the Redskins, uh, Washington football team, Terry McLaren. McLaren, second round pick. I mean, so yeah, it's it's just fascinating. And again, I know it's early, but we got a chance to see him in offseason workouts. And yes, he looks small. And then you get a chance to see him in camp. And honestly, the first couple of days they could not cover him or AJ Green. And you're like, okay, let's just see what he does in the preseason. And here we are, two weeks in. And I want to say he's probably been the most targeted wide receiver. Now, I think it's him and Green have 12. Hop has 11. We'll get into you know what Hop when it came to the second half. But uh, like I said, I know it's early, but you could just see the upside. Again, all these guys just need to stay healthy, and we'll see how their careers unfold. He, one, has very good hands. He's making the catch cleanly. He's catching the ball on the run. And then the ability to make defenders miss. His lateral quickness, the ability to stop, change direction without losing any of that speed. And it's the one dynamic that when you looked at the wide receivers from a year ago, yeah, they were all getting open and making the catch, but then they were getting tackled immediately. There was very little yards after contact, yards after catch. Rondell Moore is averaging better than 14 yards after the catch through the first two games, and he has the most yards after the catch than anyone else in the National Football League. And we've also seen DeAndre Hopkins with some yak yards, if you will. Guys who are breaking tackles, but then not so much eluding or breaking the tackle, but just getting enough separation to where no one is able to catch up to them. And I think that is the next step in this offense to make that wide receiver, that passing game, just more, just that much more dangerous. Yeah, so he's got 13 targets, 11 catches for 182 yards, averaging 16.5 and a touchdown. Yak, 151. Hopkins targeted 12 times, 10 catches, 137, averaging 13-7, three touchdowns, 38 yards after catch. What's interesting about all four receivers, Moore, Hopkins, Kirk, and Green, they're averaging somewhere between 13-8 and 16-5 per catch. Pretty impressive. That's the explosiveness in this offense to where some of that quick strike ability – and then you have shorter drives. Now, I think we'd all like to see a little bit more consistent in the run game, but it's hard to be excellent in every single phase. There's always going to be areas in which you can improve upon, and right now this passing game, this passing game, MJ, is clicking with Kyler Murray getting time or buying time himself with that scrambling, and we saw on Sunday A.J. Green come around it's it's sometimes takes a little while I think we all had high expectations for Green just like we did with Rondell Moore and he was maybe factored into the uh into this game plan this week a little bit more and featured and we saw the numbers go up but I do like what's happening here and don't forget about Christian Kirk as well he didn't have a lot of catches but his three catches two of them were huge second quarter 
a third and 16, and he catches a 19-yard pass in traffic for a first down. And then in the fourth quarter, that fourth and five for the second straight week, we see Kyler Murray backpedal, throw off his back foot because the recognition of the all-out blitz and throwing it up in the air, and Kirk Hall's in a 35-yard reception down to the Vikings' six-yard line to set up a field goal. should have been a touchdown, but uh, unable to capitalize on that particular play. But once again, it's Kyler Murray doing amazing things, and then his receivers, that trust factor with whomever he's throwing the football to, they're going to catch it, and then they're going to do something with it. I'll say this about Kirk. and it, it, The first thing people want to say, well, he needs to stay healthy. True, just like any player. But he's catching balls in traffic. It's not like the Derek Carr play on Monday night where Zay Jones was wide open. Kirk, whether it's you know it's not so much the you know the, the one he throws up when it's zero coverage, but look at a lot of his catches so far. They've been in traffic, and he's and, you know we looked at the preseason game and it would have been a difficult catch, but he did drop it against the Chiefs. But I, I like the way he's running his routes. We all know he's playing that natural position, and Kingsbury keeps talking about playing inside, and that's where his natural position is. We're starting to see the upside there. One other thing I like is average pl- per play. Right now the Cardinals 7 yards per play, the opponent 5.4. Now I'm sure that, again, a little inflated just because of Week 1 and Week 2, but Kyler Murray, 10.1 yards per attempt. That's really good. I mean, I know there's 11 and 12 probably from some guys that have passed more, and he's completing 74% of his passes. Last year, yards per attempt, Kyler Murray was at 7.1. That ranked 22nd. Deshaun Watson was number one in the league at almost 8.9. You wanted to see that number increase go up, and it has, again, small sample size, but through two games it has. And I think that's why we see the average per catch. And, yes, the ability now all of a sudden it's the ball's 10 yards in the air as opposed to the shorter three, four-yard throw and leaving it up to these wide receivers to do the work. Kyler Murray is helping. He's, he's throwing these guys open and understanding that they don't need to turn around and wait for the football. But that timing, and that's what's happening here. Year two with Hopkins, year three with Kirk, even before that, considering that they kind of grew up around each other as far as making the tours on college. So, yeah, it's it's been fun through two games. Now you just got to make sure it stays that way. All right, before we get into some of the other stuff, let's talk about Max Williams because you and I are big fans, not only of just Max the football player, but the person and really, you know, he's a guy that Cliff said he's unselfish. He doesn't ask for the ball. He's never questioned why you guys are going with 10 personnel and 11 personnel where – He's involved in the 11 personnel, but 12 personnel is two tight ends. And we got a chance to see some, you know, some of the tight ends uh, on, on Sunday. But this is what's going to happen. And one thing we probably need to uh, point out is how much Kyler is spreading the ball around to different. It's not just one guy, it's not the same two. In this case, you know, we'll talk about Hop, what happened in the first half or second half. But to me, there's, there's a trust factor when it comes to Cliff and Kyler Murray throwing to Max Williams. There is that ability, and we touched on it in the offseason, if you could find a tight end, and I think they have one in Max Williams, it was always he needs to be on the field, he needs to be healthy. That's why everyone kept bringing up the tight end position. Do you, Can you go out there and find one, draft one, acquire one, or sign one? And I do think that the Cardinals were always looking, but at the end of the day, they always came back and said, well, there's no one better than Max Williams, a healthy Max Williams, because he can sit there and line up in a three-point stance 
block and then release, or, which we saw a lot of on Sunday, he can split wide or in the slot. Now, when you look at the personnel groupings, that will still consider 11 personnel, not 10 personnel, even though there's no other player you know, on the field that's lined up as a tight end. But Max Williams had a career day on Sunday against his hometown team, the Minnesota Vikings. Good to see, happy for him and his family. Seven catches for 94 yards, and it's the catches down the middle of the field, between the hash marks. His ability to get open, secure the catch, because you know you're going to get hit. You don't want to lose the football, but that is an area of the field that this Cardinals offense can exploit this season, because Hopkins is going to take attention away on the left side. A.J. Green's going to garner attention on the right side. And then you've got Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore as your slot receivers. There is an opportunity here for Max Williams to have a huge impact. Maybe not a lot of catches, not a lot of yards, but when is he making those catches? Key points of a ball game, key drives, key downs, getting that first down, extending drives. And we started to see that on Sunday. If I'm not mistaken, if I recall, I think maybe three different times he was able to get first downs on his catches. And he was targeted seven times, seven catches for 94 yards, averaged 13 for a catch, and his long was 34 yards. But I do think some of his receptions led to some first downs. He had a second and 10. That was the 34-yard catch. He had a second and four for nine, excuse me, for 25 yards. So there's two first downs. Here's a third one on second and nine. He had the 17-yard catch. So, yeah, three first downs. There could be four. Just these are just the top yeah. 10 plays overall, yeah, so exactly. you're right. Yeah, but I, there could have been four that he was involved. And, again, it's going to be different. But I like the fact that, you know, they're just not – because, again, they could run a lot of four and five wide. They can run four wide receivers. Andy Isabella is active, but he's basically reg- regulated to special teams right now. But if you want to go four wide and, and chase Edmonds, all of a sudden you've got a lot of speed on the field. So, But Cliff still – 11 and 12 personnel with the mixture. And again, a lot of it's dictated. And, you know, we talked about it all last week. What are we going to see from the from the Vikings? What do we say? Cover two. That's what they play. You hear the guys after the game. Kyler Murray said they, you know, they're going to play that cover two shell. And you have to, you know, you got to take what you give them. And one thing I looked at for pro football focus, here's Murray's target depth. Behind the line of scrimmage, he was eight for eight, 34 yards. Short, 1-9, he was 11 for 13, 91 yards. Medium, 10-19, 5 for 6, 95 yards. Long, 20 or more, he was 5 for 6, 181 yards and two touchdowns. And the big deep ball to Rondell Moore for 77 yards is going to skew that a little bit. But, yeah, the 10-19, that's what we discussed in the offseason. He was get 5 better, for 6. Get better in that area. Now, the, I wouldn't say negative, but and you've brought it up a little bit, but DeAndre Hopkins and his his ability to be the number one weapon offensively for the Cardinals, and then obviously on the scattering report, he's the guy that everyone wants to shut down from the opposing side. He had all of his catches in the first quarter. He basically disappeared after those first 15 minutes. Now, Kingsbury took responsibility, and rightfully so. If you're a number one wide receiver, you got to be able to find a way to get him the football. Yet at the same time, if they are doubling 
bringing a safety over for DeAndre Hopkins, then that's going to leave one-on-one coverage or they're going to forget about someone else. So as much as perhaps the numbers for DeAndre Hopkins don't look great at the end of the day, three catches, or excuse me, four catches for 54 yards, one, the Cardinals won. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Hopkins has gone on record saying that. And if you watch the game, anyone that made a catch or scored a touchdown among the first out there to celebrate and congratulate was number 10. But we would like to see him be a part of the overall game plan and not disappear. And that falls on Kingsbury to game plan and then also the quarterback as well. But, hey, we want Kyler Murray to make the right decisions and not force it. If your first read is Hopkins and you see two different colored uniforms near him, close to him, then all right, well, I'm going to go the other way. But there is, there are ways to scheme Hopkins open because he is moving around a lot more. He's playing in the slot. He is lining up on the right side as well. And I do think we'll see more of that because of the amount of tension that he is going to get. Well, but I also think, you know, on the other side of this, Kyler has learned the game slowing down according to him, according to Kingsbury. We know he's mastered the offense. He's going through his progressions. Now, whether it's one, two, or three, obviously Hop was first. Now you got the second, third one, and then he can improvise getting outside the pocket. So you kind of can't have it both ways. And I don't think, you know, Max Williams is going to get seven catches for 83 yards. Is that what 94 yards. 94 yards. Yeah, I don't want to shortchange him. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen every week. Because all of a sudden, you know, and and I liked how they moved AJ Green around. I was you and I are sitting next to each other in the press box, and when they when AJ Green went to the left motion, all of a sudden, Hopkins is is almost like two guys were worried about Hopkins, and Green really was a decoy, and it worked. So I like that. Usually you want to see Hop come in motion, but AJ Green lined up on the right side. He went left in motion, and as they're getting ready to snap the ball literally two guys, there were three guys, and they didn't know who to take, and I thought that opened up a pass for Hopkins. Again, it's great problems to have if you're the Cardinals on offense, especially if you're winning, and the Cardinals are winning here in 2021. And MJ, what a difference a kicker makes for the Arizona Cardinals. We're seeing it across the league as far as missed PATs, missed field goals, but Matt Prater, the the other player who received a game ball, not just because of his 62-yard field goal, but he is making all of the kicks, and his kickoffs have been outstanding. There have been a couple that have gone short, but I think that's by design. I do think there are points in a ball game in which the direction from Jeff Rogers is cough and kick it, kick it short so it can be pulled back or run back and let's see our coverage units stop them inside the 20-yard line. But when you have the leg of a Matt Prater, and once again, no one has more 50-plus yard field goal makes in NFL history than Matt Prater. Why the Lions decided to let him go, I know it was a down year in 2020, but when you have someone with a history and a resume of a Matt Prater, you keep them for as long as possible. Well, I think if you listen to Cards Cover 2 over a period of time, you know how much I, I you know, like Sean Coogler and, and respect the, the coaching staff like Vance Joseph. So when, when you look at it from, from that standpoint, I mean, it's they, Jeff Rogers is another voice of reason here. He's the assistant head coach. And the fact that this is what happens, Kingsbury will go to Rogers and say, where do you, where do you need to meet to get what, what 
48-yard line, the 50-yard line, and and obviously they're out there practicing in warm-ups. You're indoors, so you don't really have to worry about the weather. Maybe one end, if you're outside, is a little bit different than the other end. So the fact that Rodgers has that wherewithal, and, and it happens with every head coach, but he's got he's the assistant head coach, and really there's about eight to ten guys on the team because of special teams, and he gets them ready each week. So that was it was interesting, and again – where we sit, it's I, I know it went there no problem, but they were thinking it could have been sixty eight or seventy yards. That's what Kingsbury mentioned. Now I didn't I was trying to watch the end zone view yeah. earlier this morning. I don't know where the football landed, but it was dead center and it was well struck. So it might have been able to go sixty seven, sixty eight yards. And the guy's been here for two games and he has the record. Now, yes. Jay Feely had the previous record, 61? Correct. That was against the Bills back in 2012. So 61 yards, Jay Feely's record is gone. Almost lasted 10 years for Jay, so good for him. But this is what you need to know about Matt Prater because I find this fascinating. Prater owns the franchise record for longest field goal with three different franchises. (laughs) Obviously, the franchise record with the Denver Broncos and that's an NFL record 64 yards Cardinals 62 and the Detroit Lions 59 yards which he did twice so the even though he's not the biggest he's not the tallest he has perhaps the best long leg if you will as far as being able to kick distance field goals yeah we always you know you and I right probably after the Cardinals you know the first and second wave of free agency and we try to figure out okay who's who was the unsung signing or who was an underrated signing? And I think we've definitely mentioned Rodney Hudson is probably nothing against J.J. Watt and some of these other guys, but, you know, Rodney Hudson really has been a huge upgrade. Watt will be an upgrade, just, you know, different position. But then you you look at some of the other upgrades on the team and you're like, I mean, Colt McCoy, we know how much he's meant to Kyler Murray. Yeah, he, he, he didn't play yesterday, but we know that he's helping him watch film. And then you just look at some of these others. But Matt Prater, I mean, that could be one of the better signings in the offseason just because how many times did the Cardinals lose games in the last couple of years because of field goals? Well, just last season, they lost three games by three points. Week three to Prater and the Lions. Zane Gonzalez missed short on a game-tying field goal against the Dolphins and then missed right on a go-ahead 45-yard attempt at the Patriots. And those three games, when you're one game away from making the postseason, that sticks in the in the back of the head of a general manager, as it did Steve Kime, to where, all right, we need to find someone that can make those kicks, not just the long kicks, but be able to make those fourth-quarter inside two minutes overtime, those kind of kicks to where they're just like a normal kick. Yeah, I'm sure when the press release came out, they signed Matt Prater, and you're like, oh, he had similar numbers to Zane Gonzalez last year from 40 to 49. But then you peel the curtains back, and he's probably the best, if not the most clutch kicker in NFL history. And then we, he's he's got franchise records with three different teams. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, okay, great. It's got to be an upgrade. Okay, now we're seeing the, the fruits of the labor. And then, you know, Colt McCoy is just a backup quarterback, and hopefully he doesn't see the field, but he's been a great influence in Kyler Murray. So the, these other signings that don't get talked about, you know, the J.J. Watts and, you know, obviously at the time, Malcolm Butler and then, you know, Rodney Hudson, et cetera. But A.J. Green, we put him in that same conversation. But some of these under-the-radar signings are really starting to show their worth. And it's helped 
improved the Cardinals not only from a roster standpoint, but helped this team start 2-0 for the second straight season. And now they'll go on the road at Jacksonville. Plenty of time to get into what they will be waiting for them in Jacksonville and a Jaguars team that right now is really, really struggling. But a perfect opportunity for the Cardinals again this week to work on what was wrong on Sunday and then take those corrections into Jacksonville and hopefully come away with a victory and start 3-0. and We'll get more into what we anticipate from the Jaguars a little bit later on this week, but before we head on out of here, need to remind folks this is a new week, and it is a week in which the second episode of Cardinals Folktales, The Night the Goalposts Vanished, that comes up on September 22nd, And if you have not seen the first episode, just go to the official Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash azcardinals. Of course, legendary locker about Pat Tillman. But this one is about a week two contest. That still boggles the mind that this was week two, September 8th, 1997. The Cardinals, from 15 points down, beat the Cowboys in overtime, 25-22. Kevin Butler's 20-yard field goal, which banked in off the left upright, was the game winner. And because it was such a huge win, snapping a 13-game losing streak in the series, fans stormed the field at Sun Devil Stadium, brought down the golf posts, and carried them out of Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah, week two, week two, yeah. not not the last game of the regular season to get into the postseason. This was a week two win. Yeah, and and just watching the trailer, I think it was Jake Plummer talking about his brothers there. They were uh, maybe down in Tempe or Mill Avenue at that that time of the evening. So it's just fascinating to hear all the stories. And you know, obviously, it, it was you know the fact that they were able to get the goalpost down. And some guys didn't know about it until, a matter of fact, it was uh, Jimmy's father, uh, Omohundro, and he he said that Mister B walked in there and said, "You know what they're doing?" I'm paraphrasing. He said they're tearing the goalpost down, and he loved it. All the coaches and players, game ends, you're heading to the locker room. Especially and the, that walk. And you maybe see what's going to happen behind you. Like, well, I need to get out of here. And then all of a sudden, word started to uh, reach <laughs> everyone that what was going on on the football field. So a fascinating look at what happened on that night, September 8th, 1997. Folktales, Episode 2, The Night the Goalpost Vanished. September 22nd is when it debuts on the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.